<laughs> if you already know Drake or you already been on Drake's TikTok or his lives or his Sunday Zooms, which will be once a month now. <laughs> Did you know? Now you know. <laughs> you know whose voice this is. It's Shan from She Gets It Pod. So while you're listening to Everything Culture with an A, not a die, check out She Gets It pod all right i know i'm the one with the little boo me on there that's me all right new season new season 22 giving y'all encouragement motivation and a real insight in the things that i think about on a daily but i'm saying them out loud to y'all so check me out on she gets a pod on your favorite podcast app and also find me and the rest of my podcast on shambypodden.com. Now, I hope you're enjoying this show with everything culture. Hey, Drake. I'll let you have your mic back now. Bye. So, I couldn't stand high school. I thought it was the stupid, the dumbest thing I'd ever been in. Because, first of all, everybody, all they talked about all day was sex. Nobody seemed like they were on the ball. But I got involved in a commercial art program off the high school campus. So I did that for two years. So what that did was that got us, so that got me and like-minded people away from high school, and we just studied commercial art. So we get on the cheeseburger or the yellow bus, and they bust us over to this place, and we just learned half the day was spent learning about commercial art. And then I got a really good, I had a really good commercial art teacher, Albert A. Neuer is his name. Um, He became like one of my mentors in life. And he would just always say, Daryl, all you got to do is try. Just try harder. And I still hear him to this day when I'm doing stuff. I can still hear him over my shoulder like, try harder, do better. You can do it. I still hear that coaching from him, right? So I always give it up to Albert A. Neuer. So that's why I think teachers are super important for children. Absolutely. You know, I mean, just super important. And he was the first man that said to his class, Okay, we're in the middle of Detroit, and he showed us Star Wars. And you know what he said after that movie was done and the credits were rolling? He said, how many people do you think were Black who worked on Star Wars? He was like, you guys have opportunities out there. He knew back then. This is high school teachers telling us this. A white man. All right. That's an advocate. That's being an advocate. That's being a mentor. So then the joy of children laughing around you. These are the makings of you. It is true. The makings of you. What's happening, good people? It is your host, Mr. D713 or Drake with everything culture and we're back with another episode of the makings of you and tonight we have daryl dc collins what's happening with you daryl not much man just a saturday night you know just getting ready for uh sunday you know whatever that's all about but yeah getting ready for sunday i feel you, you know, i feel you what well, i like you. to ease into my weekend but yeah thanks for having me Man, thank you for coming, man. It's, it, we've been talking about this for a minute, okay? A long minute, okay? <laughs> and, man, I admire you so much. And you wanted to um, 
how do I say, Seattleites that I've gotten to know over the past mm-hmm. couple of years since I've been here in this area. So I appreciate you for making time out for me and our audience. And once again, this is going to get to know you. These are going to be right a on. few open-ended questions. Some of them are going to be direct. But it's no wrong mm-hmm. answers to this. It's only your yeah. responses. Okay. Mm-hmm. If we ask a question you feel uncomfortable with, you want to skip over, that's fine. If you don't know the answer to it or you don't you want us to come back to it, <laughs> let us know. This is a conversation. And at the end of the day, this is the makings of DC. Ain't nobody can tell DC about his life other than DC. That's how I say. So yeah. let's get into it. So, DC, who are you? Who am I? I? I consider myself a um, creative person, foremost. That's what I am. I consider myself a creative. Um, second thing, I consider myself a, a person that's from Detroit, Michigan. So I'll let you fill in those blanks. Because usually when I say Detroit, Michigan, I like to look at people's eyes. And then they, I say, oh, you're filling in the blanks right now. Okay, makes sense, depending on where you're from. Right. And then I consider myself a person that's trying to be a leader, a coach, an advocate for other creatives, advocate for other like minded people. Who are those like minded people? For me, those like minded people are, you know, folks that are trying to do good mm. and that know they have shortcomings, but they try to do good by everything that they do. So I try to be advocates for those folks and I want those folks to be advocates for me. So I try to build advocates wherever I go and I will try to gain advocates wherever I go so if I can be an advocate for someone that's cool that's what I'm going to do if they can be an advocate for me that's sort of my end goal too so what does that mean that means you know treating people with respect Mm. that's all it means you know being real being authentic that's what I try to be that's who I am that's how I roll. People that know and love me for a long time, they just know how I am. Even in my crazy days, when I was yeah. drinking and doing everything I was doing, I was still always the same person. Do y'all see why I admire this guy? See, do, 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 I think y'all, are y'all <laughs> catching on now? He... <laughs> He done, he covered by good folk questions I had lined up. Usually I have to get, he just, he, <laughs> he expresses doing. himself so well and Man, so I'll, let me let me let me pull one in. Okay, mm-hmm. how would you describe your culture? That's a good question, and I say good question because I think sometimes it changes depending on where you are. Mm. So, for instance, when I first moved to Seattle about thirty years ago, so I'm fifty-eight now. I moved here. Maybe it wasn't fifty. Maybe it wasn't thirty years ago. But I moved here. I was turning twenty-nine when I moved to Seattle. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, you know, I'm going on 59, right? I'll be 59 in May. So when I first moved here, my culture was all about what is the design culture like in Seattle? I got to get in with that culture mm. because that culture was all about creativity, people getting together, sharing ideas. I love that. So that was my culture. You know, if you weren't down with that culture, then you really weren't down with me or anybody that I was hanging out with. So I wrote like that for a long time. And then I was in that for, like I said, a long time. And then I got into what I consider like the awakening culture. Like I worked at a job for a long time. There was this massive layoff in 2008. I said, I'm going to change my whole life up. Mm. Then my whole culture was like getting healthy, getting fit, eating right, being around like-minded people that were trying to do good. 
So that was my culture then. There was some creativity in there and stuff, some people that were doing creative things, but it was really just around just trying to surround myself with like really good friends that I could like, they could rely on me and I could rely on them. Because I realized that I was putting everything else into the job, into that whole design thing, into like this job I had. So that's what I was doing. It was all about that, you know, 21, you know, 24 seven, as they say. Well, so I get laid off. Life changes. It's a flip. Right. And then, you know, that flip happens. You know, I start to get sort of serious about who I am as a person. I looked at myself in the mirror and I literally had a come in the Jesus moment. Because I was like, it's not them, it's me. Right. Because people would always be like, well, I like him, but then I don't something about him. So I was like, hmm. I come at people like this. They don't know what they're getting. So I'm like, I got to work on coming at people like straight. So I got involved with therapy. I got involved with like men's therapy where men just got together and talked about being a man. And what does that mean? We all held each other accountable. And I did that for about eight years. Wow. And then I met this lovely woman. We got married we were friends. We got married, but we're no longer married anymore. I got divorced probably about, I don't know, going on three years ago, mm. but that's fine. Everything's groovy. Things happen for a reason, but you know, like we're still friends. She's still a good friend of mine. You know, we still talk, you know, about life stuff, about family, but that's okay. Cause I, now I know how to be in my adult place when I deal with people. And that's what I learned through therapy, how to stay grounded, and how to stay in my adult place. So that was my other culture that I'm talking about. So then the third culture that happened for me that I realized, and I woke up and I said, I'm a black man and this shit still hasn't changed. I still have to work twice as hard and I'm a black man. And I'm like, you know, I'm like 55. Why? So then I said, what is going on? Then I realized that I was like, yeah, I was all about everything, you know, but now I'm all about, you know, you have to be an advocate, not only for me, but for black folks. So all of my um, friends who are white or not black, they know, I always say, even on my LinkedIn, can you be a change maker? Can you bring the change? Can you be a change advocate? Can you use your influence for good? Realize the superpower that you have, right? So I try to stick with those people and I try, that's how, and that's my culture now. That's how I roll now. So yeah, so that's that's what I'm about. Who knows what it's gonna be a year from now? I don't know, but that's what I'm all about now. People go, how can you change your culture? Actually, you know, if you look at it, it's just a gradual thing. It's like I'm I'm opening up. I'm like, okay, I was all about me first. Me, creative. And then as I was moving through, I was like, hmm, I think I might be the problem. And now I'm just like, how can we help people? How can we help out the culture? Love it. That's what I'm about. So anyway, yeah. Oh, no, this 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 is beautiful once again y'all y'all listen to the makings of dc there are collins with us tonight or this morning or this afternoon on everything culture so right on to hit a few questions once again you you just stated where you're from that's detroit michigan um you know you didn't gave us you know your age 
you know, be 59 this year in May. So, right. and that kind of lead into, so what's your sign? What's your zodiac? Oh, I'm Taurus all the way. Okay. <laughs> Taurus all the way. When I was a kid, when I found out that was my sign, I was like, Taurus all the way. <laughs> Taurus, yes. Okay. And, and it's unique that you brought up when you were a kid. This next question is like, how would you describe your childhood and your upbringing? Yeah. When I look back on my childhood, I often have a vision of what heaven might be. And for me, what heaven would be is me riding the green swim that I had down the street, street, you know, street line with trees, bunch of kids behind me riding our swims down the street with our, with our little, um, cap guns that we made out of rubber bands and board that was heaven for me that was like just that scene is heaven you know but what's behind all of that what's behind that is just chaos what's behind that when it doesn't turn into heaven it turns into reality what's behind that is like a working mom raising trying to raise four kids doing a good job but who just had to work like all the time so me going home, having a key around my, in third grade, having my own key to get into my own house and seeing a note on the fridge about make dinner tonight, Daryl, you know, read the box, make the ingredients, right? So that was, that was reality. And then, you know, back then in the day, you know, growing, being a kid, it was all about, you know, how can we be kids but not really be seen because you know the parents and the adults the aunts they loved you but when it was their time to play they didn't really want you around so it was like let me get out of the house and let them be adults so that's that's what i that was part of my childhood wow, wow. right it is scary my wife and I was just having that conversation this morning. Like, oh wow, yeah. How kids come around, and usually the adults, you know, and I've been guilty of it. Either, you know, even though when we have some conversations, you know, we try to get the kids to go in another room. Oh and, yeah. And, or something of that nature, instead of making things kid friendly, sometimes, you know, making it something they all can we all can incorporate as a family. So, wow. So, that man, thank you for that perspective and. You shared a bit about your mom. So coming up, what were the roles of your caregivers in the household? Well, the caregivers for my household were um, my grandmother. Um, we called her Medea. I didn't realize this, but that was just a name that everyone called their grandmother <laughs> back in the day. I didn't know that, right? So, so my Medea... Uh, Daisy Greer, she was awesome. Her door was never locked, mm. by the way. You would just walk onto her porch, go in the door, oh, go in the house. There was always something on the stove, always something cooking, you know. So she was like, going to her house was just amazing. She had a great sense of humor. 
You know, she had a, well, you don't know, I'm going to tell you, she had a, she had a really good sense of humor. She knew everybody in the neighborhood. Everybody loved her, you know, and all of her grandkids just, they just loved her and everybody loved going over to Medea's house. Right. So she was a big caregiver. She wasn't there constantly, but it was like, you know, she, she's someone that I always like think about to this day. And then another caregiver of mine, I had, you know, my mom, she had, well, she had, you know, four, let's see, she had, she had three other sisters. So there was my aunt Anne, my aunt Juliet, and my aunt Pearly, then my mom, and then Medea. So I was basically, there were men around, but only one of my aunts was married, and that was Juliet. But all the rest of them, they weren't. So I've always been around really what I would call um, strong, willful, like I'm going to make this happen to women. Right. So that's why most of my friends have always been my good friends usually be like, they're usually like our women. I don't mind that. Right. Mm. So, so that's, that was the energy, right? That was the energy, but I have this one aunt pearly and no matter where she was in her life, she was always hustling. She was always making money. And she lived by herself. She lived like off the grid. I mean, away from the neighborhood. She got her own apartment. And we as kids used to love going over there because, you know, this is like the 70s. And we're going over there. And she has all these posters on the wall, like war posters and cream. You know, the BGs when they were cool. Other posters, Black Panther posters, you know, all this stuff. She had this music. Her friends were always just like, you'd be like, I saw that guy on TV on the Mod Squad, you know, with the hair and the stuff. Just like hippie friends, you know, black, white hippies. That's how she wrote. But she was always like in it. You know, she was always making money. And I just, no matter where she was in life. So she was a big influence on me as far as a caregiver. But then my mom, you know, watching my mom just worked all the time, you know just trying to get food on the table, trying to pay a mortgage, you know? And she never would say anything to us, but me as a kid, I would pick up on her vibe, like, okay, I'm not gonna ask her anything about if I can get money for the movies. Yeah. Not gonna do that today, because she's not feeling that. So I was very intuitive as a child. I was very intuitive, and I use that a lot, you know? I'd be like, how am I gonna approach this? And that leads into my next question. So you said it was four of y'all. So you had three siblings. Where do you fall in the lineage of your siblings? For me, I am the, I smile because there was April. She was a baby. That's my sister. And then there was Ronald. He's my younger brother. Then there's me. And there's, then there's my older brother, John. Now, April and Ronald have passed. Um, and that was... I still, you know how it is when you, I don't know if you've ever had siblings that have passed away with someone close to you. You know, you always have part of them are still there, right? So, but my mom, and I tell people this all the time, parents know what their kids are going to be about. So my mom basically, she drew for me a little diagram of what a nuclear family was. And she said, we're not that. Mm. We are our own planets. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, yeah, 
That's what she said to me. So my mom identified in me a long time ago, especially when she was going to be gone for a while or going out of town or doing something with family. You know, I don't know. I'm a kid. She would, you know, we go driving in her car and she would say, okay, Daryl, this is what it's about. I'm going to give you money for the house. And this, you're going to buy this. You're going to do this. And I'm, now I had an older brother, but she knew. She knew like how all of her kids operate, you know, rolled and stuff. So, so that's what she instilled in me, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm looking around. I'm thinking like, is something burning? Hey, oh, hey. it's my candle. I was lighting candles earlier, <laughs> y'all. Cause, uh, let's look you in on what I do. Um, I was lighting some candles cause I was making a little block city okay. to relieve some stress. That's what I do. I always try to keep my hands busy. But anyway, yeah. So, so that's where I fall. And that's where I still fall in the family, right? So even when, so all of my, um, all of my aunts, except for Pearlie, they all have at least uh, three sons. Mm. So imagine that all these boys, and we all were born about the same time. So my grandmother always had about, you know, all these little boys in her house just running around, tearing it up, right? So my cousins, so when we all get together, it's like we never left each other, Beautiful. right? And they're all back in Detroit, still there. So when I go back, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like a big high school reunion. They still know how to tease me. I still know how to tease them. So what I have become in the family now, I have become the person that gives the eulogies at funerals because, you know, I retain knowledge. I retain stuff about people, you know, good things. You know, I like to bring it. I'm like, I'm going to bring it at this funeral today. I'm going to let people know what this person here is about and how they affected me and how I think we should be moving on from here. So that's where I lay in the family now. I'm sort of like the, uh, I'm kind of like the clown, the classic clown, you know, from, but from tribal clown, like they come in and they just kind of tell you what it's all about. You got to like, listen be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Even though he was kind of making a joke about me, but yeah, you know, the clown. Yes. That's what native, you know, folks used to do. There used to be a clown always in the tribe that would kind of, he could talk to the chief, like, you know, you, you know, but he was a clown though. So that's kind of what I bring. And we love that. And we love that. Whew. All right, Daryl. So our next question we have right here. How do you feel about your education in life so far? Um, let's see. Elementary school, I loved it. I loved my education in elementary school. The one thing I didn't like about it was that um, I was held back, especially in reading, because I stuttered. I had a really bad stutter. We talked about that offline. So when you had to read out loud, I would stutter. So they put me, um, you know, in the reading classes with the kids who couldn't read that well. I couldn't read out loud. I stuttered. And another thing is um, I didn't know how to spell my name properly until I moved out here. Mm -hmm. And let me get it's a long story, but I'm going to get there. Just stay on the. We are wagon with, <laughs> yeah, stay on the wagon with me. So when I was in Detroit, 
I spell my name D-A-R-R-E-L-L. Okay. And then when I moved out here, I was 29 and I wanted to travel. So I got a passport. So I had to get my birth certificate from the state of Michigan. So, you know, I called the state of Michigan Health Department. This is when you had to call. They mailed it to my house. My birth certificate comes and my first name is spelled D-A-R-R-Y-L. So right away, I get on the phone. I'm like, Ma, what's up? And my mom goes, well, you know, you were, you were having so much trouble with your spelling your name that they just thought it would be easy if you just spelled it that way. And I said, not trying to give my mom too much smoke, <laughs> but I said, Ma, it's not me. It's you. You can't spell my name to this day. You get it mixed up. I'm like, see, this is the, I said, Ma, and then I went into her. I said, Ma, this is a problem. If a kid doesn't know how to spell his name, teach him how to spell his name. Don't do the easy way out. And then I went to the whole, like, reading. I went into the reading classes, you know, have to be separated out to go into these reading classes. So, so that was my education, mm. right? That's elementary. And then high school, I mean, junior high, all that stuff, whatever it is, what it is. I had a very good, I mean, playing around. I, you know, I love to play. I love to pretend. I love to make things out of wire. That's, a, that's what I remember. And then when I got into high school, that's when I realized that it's going to get real. Because when I was in Detroit, the high school teachers would say, they'd be drawing on the blackboard, doing some writing something. They would say, no more factory jobs, guys. No more factory jobs. Pay attention. Because they were telling us, like, all the factory jobs are done. So basically, it was like you go to high school, you graduate, you either go work for Ford, Chrysler, GM. Mm. Good paying jobs. My cousin does it to this day. He's worked for you know Chrysler for over twenty years. Wow. Makes good money, right? But they were telling us like these jobs are gone. So I was like, so you know what I did, and I tell people I'm like I was a D minus student in high school when I got in there. I was a D minus student, so I couldn't stand high school. I thought it was the stupid, the dumbest thing I'd ever been in because first of all. Everybody, all they talked about all day was sex. Nobody seemed like they were on the ball. But I got involved in a commercial art program off the high school campus. So I did that for two years. So what that did was that got us, so that got me and like-minded people away from high school and we just studied commercial art. So we get on the cheeseburger or the yellow bus and they bust us over to this place and we just learned Half the day was spent learning about commercial art. And then I got a really good, I had a really good commercial art teacher. Albert A. Neuer is his name. Um, he became like one of my mentors in life. And he would just always say, Daryl, all you got to do is try. Just try harder. And I still hear him to this day when I'm doing stuff. I can still hear him over my shoulder like, try harder, do better. You can do it. I still hear that coaching from him, right? So I always give it up to Albert A. Neuer. So that's why I think teachers are super important for children. 
Absolutely. You know, I mean, just super important. And he was the first man that said to his class, okay, we're in the middle of Detroit. And he showed us Star Wars. And you know what he said after that movie was done and the credits were rolling? He said, how many people do you think were black who worked on Star Wars? He was like, you guys have opportunities out there. He knew back then. This is high school teachers telling us this. A white man. All right. That's an advocate. That's being an advocate. That's being a mentor. So then from there, I went into like, I got into art school. I got my degree in art, you know, and and basically call it applied arts, but it's graphic design illustration. So I went to this private little art school, got my degree. It took me five years to graduate because I went in strong and then I learned about alcohol and pot and then it was just like party, party, party. So they put me on probation. I got my stuff together. I said, I'm going to graduate. And then while I was in high school, while I was in college, my sister passed away. So my, when my sister passing away, that sort of let me see that not everybody is on the same wavelength as me because some people especially instructors they didn't care about any of that they didn't care about oh you're missing class because of and i understood that so so i was crying a lot i was you know i was very depressed and i remember i was in you know i was in the library there at school Mm -hmm. and i was talking to some friends good friends i still know to this day and i was saying to them i was like I'm going to take a semester off. And they were like, no. And they were like, no. You don't do it. Don't do it. You won't come back. You won't do it. They were like, don't do it. And I was like, I just need some time. And then I remember I talked to the college counselor. And she was like, yeah, maybe you should. Because it seems like you're having such a hard time. And I was like, does she want me to leave? Are they getting tired of me? You know, can they deal? Because my friends could deal. So I'm like... So then I, so, you know, coming in the next week, I don't know when it happened, but it happened very quickly after that. I was in class and this teacher was like, you know, he's kind of not really giving me the business, but I saw this business. We were critiquing my work, but they were critiquing in front of class. And I was like, you know, I started doing, I was crying, you know, I was like, oh, it's so hard. And then he came up to me. I was like, I think I'm, I think I'm just gonna, I think I'm just gonna a semester off and he was like yeah you should and i said wait a minute i looked at him i said no i ain't going nowhere nah <laughs> i stepped back i said no 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 i was like no 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 i know i'm dramatic but let's play it out i'm like no 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 i'm here i'm staying here deal with this and that woke me up because i knew then and there it was my sister april saying what are they doing to you bro what are they doing to you brother they want you to leave. No. My sister was super proud of me. My sister gave me, I may start crying. She gave me the cash to even apply for the school I was going to. Because I went to my mom and my mom said to me in her kitchen, I said, Ma, I need about $200. She was like, I ain't got that kind of money. My sister overheard us, you know, me yelling and crying. I'm saying to my mom, you ain't got $200? No, she doesn't have $200. But my sister, like, you know, I'm in the living room. And April goes, I got the money. Here you go. Wow. She was the one. She was the one. All right. 
So and people know if you know me, like my sister's like super important to me, super important person. So that was that was my education. So then when I graduated, before I graduated, I knew jobs were going to be limited for me because I would have instructors say to me, they would say, when they looked at my portfolio, they'd say like, do you ever um, draw any white people? And I was like, I just draw people. Yeah. You know? But my portfolio was like black guys, black women. <laughs> but this is Detroit, Michigan, you know? And they were like, where, where are the white people at? And I'm like, I'm just illustrating what I like. I'm just showing, does it matter? I would say, does it matter? And they would say, yeah, it kind of does. You know? So I was like, well, kind of what I do. I mean, I could still, so I did a bunch of white people, whatever, but still it was the same to me. So that's what I did, right? So that was an awakening to me. So then when I finally did graduate, one of my uh, instructors in college, this was after graduation, and, uh, you know, I got my cap on, I got my diploma, you know, I got my, you know, Daryl Collins, you know, bachelor's of art thing. And I'm really proud. I'm standing next to one of my favorite illustration professors, instructors. We called him Mr. D. He was a Greek guy. He had this long ass Greek name. Should I say long ass? He had this long ass Greek name. So we just called him Mr. D. He knows who he is, but he was like really good. So my mom comes up and she's like, my mom says, I don't, I don't know what he's going to do for work. And I remember Mr. D and I just looking at each other like, he just said to me, he goes, they'll never understand. Right? Yeah. And that's what it was. They, my mom didn't understand like how, but what happened was, see, I was always watching, especially my mom and my aunt Pearly. They were always hustling, right? So I was like, how can I hustle to get into this game, this illustration, this design game? So that's what I started doing. So yeah, so that's my schooling in about two minutes. No, beautiful, 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 beautiful. And I love when it deep down on schooling because that's important. Once again, and we do the makings of you because it's somebody, it's another DC out there, young DC out there that may be experiencing the same thing you experienced and they need to hear that that journey. Oh yeah. So thank you. Um, so coming up, what were some of the chores you had in the household? If oh, I remember my chores. I remember my chores. One of them was cutting the grass. Mm. That was a big one. One of them was, I'm going to do it season, seasonally. You know, cutting the grass, right? Raking the leaves, mm. okay? Shoveling the sidewalk, okay? And then in the house, vacuuming. We did this weekly vacuuming cleaning nightly was kitchen kitchen detail basically you're sweeping you're washing the dishes then you're sweeping the floors you're wiping off all the counters in the kitchen table you're doing that before you go to bed the man said kitchen detail like (laughs) kitchen detail because if you check this out my mom worked so when she came home it was like it better okay let me just say this it better be done. My mom had no time. Okay. My mom was the type of mom who would say, I don't, I didn't raise any kids that are called, I don't know. So mm-hmm. she would say, all y'all line up 
along the couch. Okay? And I would be like, I'm getting tired of lining up along this couch. Mm. So I'm going to, yeah, it's going to happen, right? So that's how my, so that's how it was. So the chore thing, that's just how it just did chores, right? So, and sometimes to this day, even today, I'll be cleaning the kitchen and I'll just be like, this is very therapeutic for me. (laughs) Washing dishes. I mean, I'm like my dishwasher, but I only run my dishwasher when I leave. So I like to have that magic happen when I come in and I go, open it up. I'm like, oh, they're all clean. But if I'm here, I'm like, I can wash some dishes. It's like you can go back and listen to previous episodes. You'll hear me say, I find washing dishes therapeutic. Could it remind me of my grandmother? I feel like we used to wash dishes together. Like, yeah. The, the kitchen yeah, detail. Yeah, washing dishes is, yeah, kitchen detail. And uh, I'll, I, I'm very fortunate. I've taught some children how to sweep. I can say that. <laughs> I've taught eight year olds, like, this is how you hold a broom properly. Because I was taught that how to hold a broom properly, how to sweep. No, seriously, this is serious stuff. No, no, right? absolutely, because it's a lot of, I've talked, I've done this with numerous amount of people, and I've talked to young adults that, like, would say, well, I would never have taught that, and that's why I incorporated, like, did you have any chores coming up? And because you expect, for us coming up, you expect everybody had chores, but some people didn't. No, some people, yeah, I actually knew, like, I knew kids growing up in high school, they didn't have chores. Their only chores was to get good grades. Yeah, that was it. You know, that was and I, I totally get that. You know, that's how some parents were rolling. Um, I think with my mom, it, it was it was a time thing. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like, oh, my got study for this test. She'd be like, is that kitchen done? <laughs> Come on now. Oh, yeah. And another thing was taking out the trash. Oh, the yeah. trash was a big thing. Because, you know, back in the day, we threw away everything. And uh, so that's just how it was. But, yeah, but to this day, chores are part of it. I'm still incorporating that into my um, lifestyle. Coming from Texas, we still threw out everything. And coming up here to the Pacific Northwest, I'm like, you're charging me extra for garbage? And you only come once a week? That, but that's, that's Oh, yeah, I know. It's a different culture. That's, <laughs> it's a different culture. People don't think about that. The utilities up here in the Northwest will get you. Sneak up on you like a ninja, if I can say that. Be like, wait a minute. Oh, man, 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 let me tell you something. Wow. So going to our next question, Um, what were and what are your beliefs? My beliefs are, I I believe in uh, Jesus Christ. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but I would never call myself a Christian. Mm. Um, I'm just not going to do that because I feel as though um, Christians in this country, I don't know who they're talking to, Mm. but I don't even want to be associated with them because anyone that judges anyone else or shames anyone else is not a Christian. And I know that Jesus Christ that I know does not shame and does not judge. Mm. Okay. So that's what I try to do. Do I shame and judge? Heck yes, I do. Because I'm weak. I'm a weak person. I do it. I'm probably doing. I'm probably doing it right now. I'm like I'm envying your, you know, hoodie. I don't got it. I envy it. <laughs> is that a sin? Freaky, yeah, it is. See that happens. So hey, right. 
So, and, so, so it was that only is my one perfect. One. It was only one perfect uh, human that fit on this earth, and that's what we're talking about just now. Yeah, and I'm he like, was, we can he be was a perfect one. I go to try to be like him, but will we ever be that? Absolutely not. It's not. No, it's not. It's not even possible, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I can remember. I was. I went to a church service, and uh, and then uh, the guy who was giving the sermon was like, "How many y'all here commit sins?" You know, he was just doing a shout out, and I was. And I shout out. I was like, "I commit sins every day." He was like, "You hear that? Every day." I was like, "Nobody else said that." I mean, come on. So you know. I mean, let's be real, okay? So that's what I believe in. And I try to make that my foundation of how I roll, right? But I also know this. I know the devil is real, okay? I see it in people, in their behavior, and how they act. Mm. I see it when fear comes out in people. When, they, when I think, oh, they're not doing the right thing. They're going in their fear place. And I do that. You go into fear. Devil loves when you deal with fear and shame. I know that. Being an alcoholic who was, you know, who's still in recovery, all that stuff, shame was a big part of my, what I was doing in my addictions. But once that light got on that shame, that fucking shit disappeared. Mm. Speak on it. Okay. I had to like, Jesus like, I'm going to love you no matter what. I'm going to love you when you're throwing up in the gutter. I'm going to love you no matter what. That's how I roll. I said, I'm going to roll with you. So then, so when I got married, you know, moving into the story, when I got married, you know, I started going to this church because, you know, the woman that I was going out with that I got engaged with she was involved with the church so I got involved with the church I became a deacon all that stuff you know no first I got baptized and that was like a really you know big thing for me because I you know just kind of I felt the spirit like big time and then I was a deacon so then so I've always fight I try to have that foundation like all the time of that and if you people that know me like know like that's how I roll now See, there's another thing about me and my culture. See, there are people, I've been here so long that some people know me as DC, the asshole graphic designer. <laughs> some people know me as DC that got laid off from this um, Fortune 500 company who became this awakened DC, you know? And then some people know me as like this DC now that is like, oh, you're really level-headed, right? Yeah. My sister, she's an artist. I didn't even know she was an artist. Um, I, I, <laughs> I found out she was, I found out I had an older sister maybe eight, nine years ago. Wow. Papa was a Rolling Stone situation. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I feel you. Yeah. Boomer yeah. sibling, six, seven. Um, she painted this, she painted this for my birthday. It's three kings. It's nice. <clears throat> it has the colors of our podcast, everything culture. Yeah, um, yeah. That represents the younger me. This represents oh, yeah, she's got the current me. Okay. And this represents the future elder me. All of oh, my sweet things within itself. And what you just said right there is just so amazing. You showing your growth and being your, in your the three DCs, the kings. So that that just made me just click right there. Oh yeah. There's yeah. 
and there's people to this day that's how they see me mm. you know and that's and that's fine with me i mean I, i'm cool with that because my thing is i can't make somebody um see me any differently so that's why for me now my i just try to come at people like really steady um and if i do get excited i kind of i just blame that on me and not on them yeah it's just a situation you know so so those so that's that's my number one like foundation is based in that so i pray i have a prayer app on my phone it reminds me take time to pray daryl yeah i have my whole, i have my bible Keep you know so on. i i sometimes will and i've been in, involved with some churches where you know we've read the bible for a whole year and we have these you know workshops around it so yeah so that 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 for me is like a big foundation for me but as far as like belonging to a church yeah um i would i would like to do that but then i just see how some of these um christians talk and treat each other because i'm always listening i mean i think that's the time to listen and grow so i sometimes my telly is a little bit too up on sermons and what people are saying you know because i'm like let's not go into this judging place let's not go into the shame space mm. you know i don't know about you but you won't ever get me to change by trying to shame me <laughs> you eat too much chocolate <laughs> so first of all ladies and gentlemen you are listening to the the making <laughs> of dc and brother daryl you got to listen to everything culture you got to get to know me like because you just it's, it's kind of scary like, <laughs> like seriously seriously like i'm like it's like when everything well like, i i actually i actually did listen to your one podcast this was when you first told me about it Ooh, that was a long um one of our colleagues that is no longer at the place where we both met um i don't want to say her name was she a previous guest? Yes, she was. Yes. We can say it, Christina. I don't mind. Oh, you don't mind saying it? Okay. Uh, she she's been a okay. guest on the show. <laughs> okay, I, I didn't know. I I don't want to break the fourth wall here, but yeah, <laughs> this is the once again. This is the making of you, baby. Okay, but yeah, I just wanted to say. So yeah, I I have I because you know you know how I feel about yeah. CC. That's what I call her when I email her. CC, what's up? You know. Her and I probably chat almost every week if she's in town. You know, we just do a FaceTime. We working and talking. That's what we do. COVID madness. But anyway, so yeah, so so that is my foundation. And then what I try to do is I just try to go on walks. You know, I try to, you know, I try to get in at least 10K steps a day. I try to do that, you know. I try not to eat a lot of, I try to eat a lot of fish, mm. trying to stay away from meat a little bit, you know, but that's what I, you know, I'm trying, I'm just trying to live healthy, put healthy things in my body. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm also about that because I believe for me, see, I've been in very depressive states where it's basically like, you can't move. You're like, everything's black. It's coming in. This is, and I know for me, how I get out of depression is just by moving. Yeah. 
just going to go for a walk, you know, or I'm just going to do a chore around the house that kind of gets the body moving. Right. So, because I know for me, depression, it comes, I know it comes. It's like, all he's always waiting. He's like, come on, girl. Don't you just want to sit on the couch and do your Netflix all night? Have some ice cream. Then what happens? It's like, uh, well, the shame five, kicks in. 10 hours later. Then you're going <laughs> to feel bad about it. Then it yeah. gonna, it's, it's, once again, it's like a, it's a cycle. Yeah. It's up and down, right? So it's, so it's up and down. And don't get me wrong, folks. I like the SpongeBob. I will do an hour of SpongeBob. <laughs> then I'll always be like, okay, it's time for me to kind of go for a walk. So I like to plan my day daily. And I like to achieve those tasks. So, and I don't see them as tasks. I just see them as like keeping me, keeping me in line, keeping me straight. Right. Yes. Because like I said, like we were, when we were offline, before we got on the call, you know, I was building a block city with blocks. I was building the city. That's what I was doing. I was doing that for like two hours, you know, then my mind go. And that's sans marijuana people. Okay. I'm just telling you. You don't got to get to a higher plane sometimes. Wow. Okay. I just know that. But that's you. No, no, man. man. This is me. And because this is the making of DC. Mm-hmm. That's why. That's that's what, once again, thank you. Be you. So going to our next question. Give us a movie, a book, and a television series. What would you recommend? It was one of each, please. Oh, yeah. The book I would recommend, I recommend this to a lot of people, is called Einstein's Dreams. Einstein's Dreams. Yeah. And it's it's an awesome book because it's Einstein talking to you and he's talking about sort of how time moves. So think about it this way. When you're in love with someone and you're with them, time just stops. When you're doing something good, Time is just stops. But you can look out the window and all this stuff is going on. As soon as you hit the world, speeds up. And that was a concept for me that I didn't know about. And it's a short book. I used to carry around with me all the time. So that's the first book. I mean, that's a, that was, I would recommend that book. And then um, TV show. I think... If you, my favorite TV show is Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine, okay. Can you explain? Because some folks may not get the whole Deep Space Nine. Like, I know where it comes okay. from. Okay. So for for me, Deep Space Nine, even though it's a Star Trek show, um, it takes place like in the future. But I tear up when I watch that show when I see the Cisco's together, the grandfather, the dad, and the son, because it's such a strong family unit. And then the show itself is all these personalities and they all come together and they achieve something together. Sometimes, most of the times they fail. And it's, and for me, the way it's written and the way it's paced, I just like it. Like, I probably watched it over and over again. I don't know how many times. For me, it doesn't even 
doesn't even count. I mean, because that's just how much I, that's what I get from the shell. So Deep Space Nine for me. And then as far as movie goes, a movie that I really enjoy, I don't know if people are going to know about this one, but it's called The Wild Bunch. Sam Peckinpah movie. We had a and, biker uh, club in my hometown called the Wild Bunch, a black okay. biker club. Okay. But, so so the thing I like about the Wild Bunch is that they're all scoundrels. But the last scene, they got to go get their boy. They've already gotten their money. Check this out. They have gotten their money. They have partied. They have done what they need to do as men to satisfy themselves. They all wake up and they go, we got to go get our boy. And they walk through this encampment with all these dudes just waking up in the morning. It's an army of them. They're walking through them and they're going to go get their boy. And they know. They know. But what could happen? And I'm just going to use the word ain't. They know they ain't getting out of there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I love the movie because they are committed to doing this together. And I love that. So, and it's it's sort of a link back to Deep, Deep Space Nine. It's a commitment, right? And then it links back to like Einstein's dreams. It's a commitment of being with someone around people, doing things that slow down time, that speed up time. It's a commitment to it. So that's one of the movies that I recommend. I, I don't know if people know about the movie, but it's one of those films that I can western. watch. That's how I say it's a Western. It's a Western, yes. Yeah, it is right. the Western. And uh it's it's a it's for me just the story itself and just that last part, if you can hang out for that last part, because because I sometimes I put myself in that situation, you know. Would I have honor to go get my friend? Mm. Would I? Or would I just want to ride out, get in my car and just go? Even though I got I got my bag, y'all. I got my bag. But my friend is suffering. What am I going to do? See, I, I'm not gonna, I ain't going to throw my two cents in this right here. Because I can. We, okay. this, could be, this could be a full tangent about that. <laughs> I would tell you that. But uh, I'm going to recommend also throw it out for you. Uh, have you watched Spike Lee's? Um, it's a recent movie, but I'm 2022. And it has, what's our brother that? Oh, um, the My uh, Bloods. Yes, I have. I've watched that. It kind of, it's kind of along that same, you know, it's along that same line. And it, it's something that Spike does well when he talks about um, relationships with, you know, black men our relationships with one another and how we navigate that. And um, his movies always hit home to me, right? So for me, when I'm watching any movie or any TV show, I always look for tropes. Mm. There's nothing wrong with tropes, right? So 
Peckinpah, his whole thing is a trope. Mm. Right? All these men, doesn't matter what time, what day, what century, got to get together. What choice are we going to make? We're going to get our friend, we're going to leave him there to die. Yeah. You know, Spike Lee the same way. He's always had those kind of, I'm not saying they're bad, but it's something. And why is that always coming around? Because we are always treating each other, you know, sideways when we should kind of be doing good. Yeah. Right. That's why it's still here. Because it, it, cause you say it's a trope, but it's something it's realistic. Like it's realistic. Because I, I've happens. had I've had moments in my life that I like feel like I'm out of space, but I, I, like out of my body, and I look. Am I in a movie right now? Oh yeah. Like, it is. This seems like it's a like. You know, if you ever watch The Office, like I, sometimes I'm a legit. I would look to the side, like, oh, you, dude, are y'all seeing this? Y'all see? You know, it's like I look. Like, I used to tell people. I'm just. I used to tell people all the time, especially when it came out. I would tell a lot of young creatives. I'd be like, you need to watch Office Space. Oh, I wrote a paper about Office Space. I did a paper Good. about Office Space in college. And yeah. how crazy that I'm in HR now. But I'm like, <laughs> like but seriously, it's like you keep. And I, and I pay attention, you know, I don't want to share too much, but I pay attention to people that are quiet and when people are just poking them and poking them yeah. and poking them and poking them. And I come over and I'm like, hey, you know, <laughs> let's, let's, let's go get some coffee or something. And, like, and they're shocked that somebody's talking to them. I'm like, oh, let's That's chill. Because right. you know? well, trust me. <laughs> and let me show you something from what I learned is always get that red staple, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Always get your red stapler. Okay, get it. Oh, Order it. Order that. I'm about to give you one for real because it's- these things sell like hotcakes on Amazon Prime, y'all. Okay, I'm just telling you, get your red stapler. Get it. it get it. Uh, um, Office Space and um, Running with Scissors are two films that I wrote. Oh yeah, detail papers about. And great grades, I would say myself too. Like, but oh yeah, those are. I mean, off. I mean, office space is. I feel you on the paper because, um, I was in a class in college. We studied for a whole semester Blade Runner, y'all. Hmm. Oh, I, I I didn't watch Blade Runner until like ten years ago. Yeah, and we and the thing is, the the professor was breaking down the movie so well because he was talking about culture he was saying this is going to be our country the the merging of all these cultures he was like you remember how that guy was talking he's like this is going to happen right so i would often take classes like that that just you know studied something like in depth yes right because he talked about that and i thought it was like okay even though it was blade runner it's a movie but there's there's something about it. Now it's not for everybody. I know that. I understand that. But I can also remember when I was in class and check this out. I mean, there was no um, handheld devices when I was going to school. But I took this social studies advertising class, and it was this big wig from Chicago advertising in Chicago, and he was it was like a class you took like you know at three o'clock and it, it went it was like two hours lecture and book study and stuff but he told the whole class this is a white guy he said american all american culture 
is based on black culture. Mm. I was the only black person in the class. And what he goes, where this? do you what, think? What year was this again? I was in co- I was in college, so I've been out here. I moved out here when I was 20, 29. So go back another. It took me five years to graduate. So I don't know when that would be. So that was in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still, and it's still, and so, it's, so and, check and this out. He said this, he's an advertising. He, this is a trends class trends and yeah. advertising. He said this, I still remember it to this day. He says everything that sells in this country is based on black culture, music, fashion, movies, entertainment. He said this, okay? He says, advertising steals it and makes money from it. He knew this back then, okay? So this is not just happening, but he said this, and I still remember it to this day, right? Well, and that that blew the class's mind. Well, mind ladies blown, and gentlemen. I tell you right now, we got our sound bite for this episode. I tell you that right. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. <laughs> make that's it happen. It. Yeah, is that's that's. Look, we gotta keep it going. Okay, it's the yeah, let's keep it going. I, but I, I'm, I, I just wanted to share that. No, thank you, because I'm like. That. I, I, I tried it. This is you. Because once again, I can get in a conversation with you. I already can see that it, it, it's going. Um, you you shared so much already, but what has been an impactful moment in your life? The impactful moment from my life is when I got laid off in 2008. Hmm. I was at this job. I was loving this job. I was what they considered a prince at this job. You either loved me or you hated me. You were Team DC or you were not. But thankfully, people that were Team DC were what I would consider, you know, senior, senior management. So they tried to keep me around for as long as they could. But then I finally got laid off with a lot of other people. Mm. And I remember I knew I was going to get laid off, y'all, because even though I may be what I am, I read the news every morning online. I read about how much oil costs. Okay. I read about how much milk costs. Because that tells me how much I'm going to be making or not making. Okay. So I was reading this. So I was like, you know, 2006, I'm saying to myself, reading the papers online, all that stuff, who's going to be able to afford a $7 cup of coffee and everybody's laying off people in Seattle? So you know what I did? This is what Uncle DC did, y'all. He started saving every other paycheck. Started taking more vacation time. So I come back from vacation and I worked in the studio setting with all these other creatives. And they were like, they knew that I was a printster, that I could make a call and I could go meet with, you know, the guy behind the curtain, so to speak. So I get in the studio and they're like, DC, we want to know what's going on. So I get on the phone and I call, you know, 
the guy behind the curtain secretary. And I said, hey, what's up? Can I get some time with the man? She goes, yeah. What do you want to talk about? I'm like, well, we're all kind of worried about what's going on. So I went up there and met in his office that same day. I get back. Check this out. I'm back from vacation. That same day I meet with him, meet in his office. You know what he says to me? He goes, we're going to lose appendages. And I'm like, are we talking fingers? He's like, no, we're talking legs, arms. I said, oh, and I said, can I share that information? He goes, yeah. So I went back down to the studio and I just said, we're losing legs, losing arms. So I was preparing myself. I knew it was going to happen. Mm. I knew it. I don't like surprises. Hardly anyone does. Every creative I know can't stand surprises. So I was preparing myself. But when the day came, I was still prepared. Because I was like, I was crazy, DC, at the time, y'all. So, you know, I had, I had my drink in my drawer. I had my coffee cup in hand. And I said, I kept getting these notices from HR. We want you to come in. And it was like five-minute meetings. I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to just wait this out. Because this is going to be, this is a big moment. I've worked at this place off and on for like, you know, 16 years, lifetime. So I had a vested interest on how I would want it to go out, but I knew it was going to be a big day. But I also knew I was going to have to change. I was going to have to wake up and look at myself. I was like, I got to wake up and look at myself. So when the day came for me to get laid off, I just took it as a saying goodbye to everyone that worked in that building. You know, I tried to say goodbye to as much people as I could. A lot of people came by my workstation. I would often do this thing in the studio. We would do this thing where when things were kind of low, I would be like, I put on the music. because I had like literally had two turntables and a microphone at my workstation. And I was like, let's, let's pump out 30. So I got people in a circle around me. I was like, yeah, I'm leaving, but let's make this a day of celebration. So I said, let's all pump out 30 together. So we all got in this circle and we just pumped out 30. Then I stood up and I hugged everybody goodbye. Went to the local watering hole. Got interviewed at the Seattle Times. So I shouted out something in the bar like, this is the best day of my life. Because it was. Because God was saying, I'm going to change your life now. I'm going to change you. And I knew that. I knew it. I knew it. So soon after that, so from that big change, I was like, everything I've been doing has not been helping. Smoking, sleeping around, all this other stuff, not helping. Being, you know, flaky, in and out. Don't know where I'm at, coming at people weird. You know, they don't know what I'm about. You know, I'm like, that's got to change. So I knew that. But that was a big day for me, 2008. And I remember I used to always have guys over my uh, for Super Bowl, right? Super Bowl was coming around the corner. And I was having some friends. I lived on Capitol Hill. And I just wrote in my sketch journal. I still got it. I said, after this Super Bowl is over and after everyone leaves, because I remember it was, uh, uh, it was a Giants playing the uh, 
Green Bay, no, not the Packers, um, the Patriots. I said after the Super Bowl, or Super Bowl, I'm done. Both I just wrote, I'm done. I'm done drinking. Wow. And that's what I did. I wrote it down. And that's what happened. Wow. That was a big change for me. That was like huge. Nope. But I think we always know when we need to change. And I just say to people now, if they're listening, I hope you are, that if you know you need to change, just make sure you are able to do it. Because my thing is, I didn't want to do it half-ass, okay? Because I was never going to say out loud, I'm going to stop drinking. That's not how I wrote. I was going to say it to myself first. But I needed help, right? Because then I said to myself, I said, Jesus, I need your help with this. And he said, lean on me. And I said, leaning! Man, I appreciate you so much, Daryl. Man, <laughs> this has been a beautiful conversation, and we just now getting a little bit to halfway in. But man, let me tell you something. Next time I see you, we go, we go uh, pump out thirty. Okay, I just I want to see. Oh you. yeah, <laughs> we're gonna pump out thirty, dog. I'm gonna try. I mean, I think I can get like the fifteen, but I'm doing planks every night. But I'm gonna try to do thirty with you. So I love. But you. yeah, I but pumping you. out thirty was a thing that we would do. It was fun. It was desire. It was a pump out 30. It didn't matter. So when you walked in the studio, like say you were upstairs in accounting, and you'd be like, what's going on? You got to pump out 30. People like they'd be dropping their notebooks and stuff and their little laptops. And they'd be like, okay, <laughs> we just man, woman, girl, boy, everybody is pumping them out. I'd be doing that around the office. I'd be doing that scare folks. So, so, <laughs> I had to warn It's always like, hey, better. It's always better when you can up. join in. I would always try to get, you know, because at first it was just like this little cubicle row that we did it at. And then people be like, what y'all doing? I'm like, we pumping out 30. And then it got to be like the host. And then it just kind of spread. Rose, yes, yes. And then it just was like, damn, that whole studio, they're down there, they're crazy. I just had to do 30 push-ups. I just went down there to get a pencil. Cra- hey, crazy good. That's how I look at it. So yeah. <laughs> a next question for you is, what is your theme song? Uh, my theme song is um, Soul Train's theme song. Remember Soul Train? I remember Soul Train, but it's Train. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to. Didn't they change the theme song in the '90s though, right? Or was it always not same? that one? I'm That's what I'm thinking. I don't school. think it's the same one. I'm like, no, I'm thinking about the old school one. Yeah, I have it on my. I have it on my. Uh, I have it on my device. So that is my theme song. Because that kind of like. The Soul Train theme song from like the seven, you know, seventies or yeah. So that's my theme song. I wish I see if I can look it up. But you don't know. Trust me, I am your host with the most. I got you. Okay, you got it. You see it there? Uh, let me see if right. Skip this right here. Yeah, right there. That's it, see? It's like, gotta keep it moving, gotta keep it moving. That's it. 
Hey, YouTube, I'll try to keep it short because YouTube be on my back. Yeah, they be on like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. But that okay. is that is definitely my that is definitely my theme song. And believe it or not, I have my music picked out for my uh, funeral. Sorry, bro. You're so ahead. That was, that was legit not the, like... That was one of the questions I legit have down. Like, what you know, what do you have planned? Do you have a plan about your funeral? What's your home going? Like, how do you want people to remember you? But that's oh, like the last question. That's like the last question here. And you didn't. Okay, okay. But I'm no, I, once again, y'all know this is the makings of you. This is the makings <laughs> of there. You see? Man, it's, I hope y'all enjoy listening. And I hope y'all sitting back. I don't know if you're driving to work. I don't know if you're at the house chilling, Shan. From she gets it pie. We know you listening. I know you having a ball with this one, Shan. Um, I hope, yeah. I'm telling you, hey, we know our people. Oh, my folks at the post office right off right near. We appreciate y'all too. Yes. Um, yes. Thank y'all for tuning in. Hey, Auntie, I love you. So, our next question we have for you, Daryl. How do you define joy? Joy. It's hard to define joy for me because um, I think joy is fleeting. Mm. Um, joy for me doesn't last. Mm. Um, so what I try to find is joy is like okay, it's kind of it's like a firecracker. You're like, ooh, it happens, and there it is. And then what happens after that? I want it just to be contentment, mm. right? So joy for me is realizing like one day I was just, you know, I was in my place and I looked around and I said, damn, I'm blessed. Mm. Look how blessed you are. That was a joyful moment. Look at all the stuff you have. Look at your life. Bless. That was joy. Contentment. I realized that. Right. So just having that awareness is like important for me. Now, I will tell you, I've had some moments of where I thought I was going to lose my mind. Check this out. When the Seahawks won that Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. That was screaming, hollering, hugging, and then afterwards dancing. Okay. So you're the 12th. That was just crazy. What's that? You're the 12th man. Oh, yeah. 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 So I was... So that was, but that was, and I knew that wasn't going to last. Like, that's the thing when I think about joy, it's always like, it's really, it's not going to last. Right. So I try to be like, I'm not saying I just try to be happy all the time, but I do try to keep it positive. I just try to keep it moving. You know, I try not to linger in the negative. If somebody comes at me sideways, I sometimes I can either stand there and sort of self-correct it myself because I've done that with people especially if it's a black person I'll say to them I don't understand why you're coming at me this way I did nothing to you but I saw you treat that white man correctly so I don't know is it is it me is it me I asked him straight out because as a man who's almost 60, I want to know. Because I don't want you doing this to the next black person that comes up here. Okay? I'm looking out for them. I'm having this conversation with you for them. Okay? And sometimes 
Is that a joyful moment? Yeah, I do feel a little, God knows, a little prideful moment there. But it's like, okay, you said what you needed to say. Um, you don't get in your car and have all these regrets. Yeah. Right? And it's a way you can talk to people. You know, it's a way you can talk to people. You don't got to come at people all mean and all mad, right? And happiness for me is part of joy. But happiness for me is when I see people that I know succeed and do well, like yourself. It's like, yeah, you're making it happen. That makes me happy. You know, you kind of you play it forward with your friends, people that you know. You know, have good hearts. So you just feel happy for them. Yeah, I'm happy for them. Just that simple. You know? Just that simple make to me. A, That's what I yeah. said. I know it's harder for others, but for me, it's just, man, that love, it, it goes such a long way. Um, and that's, just, once again, but it ain't about me. It's about DC, right? <laughs> okay. When did you realize you were different? Mm, I realized I was different way when I was super young because my aunties, when we would come in from playing around, they would just say, all the time to me, they would say, you're, you're just silly, you're a silly boy, you're so silly, you're just silly. And I'd be like, I'm silly, what? But I'm like everybody else, I'm not. They just thought I was just silly, you know? So then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm silly, all right. So I kind of rolled with that. And then I kind of rolled with like, oh, he's just, he's just crazy, you know? I kind of rolled with that. But I knew I, I knew I was different. I knew right away that I was a different kind of kid because I didn't need people to play with me. But what would happen was I would be so engrossed in my playtime that I'd be working out all these scenarios. <clears throat> so people would see me and they'd be like, can I come play with you? And I'd be like, yeah. And then I'd give them a role. Okay, you're going to be the guy darting the front gate. And when that dragon pulls up, your job is next person. Can I be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to be the bad guy trying to get in the gate. I would give these people roles. So I was always like directing. I could was like instigate playtime. Right. So when the cousins came over, they come upstairs to the boys room and I'd be like, OK, we got roles. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We love got roles for people and I'd make stuff. So I would just make stuff, you know. So that's so I knew I was different. And then when I realized I could draw at a very young age, then I realized that I had I knew I had some type of gift that everyone in my family didn't have. And that just saved me because that was like, well, I can always draw. Right. So that was like a big thing. And then people recognizing that in me. Saying, oh, you have this thing. So I don't know if that's just being different or if that's just realizing you have a gift. But I've always tried to run, like, I never try to run with what the crowd is doing. My, my opinion, that is, I think you said it perfectly. You realize that you stand outside from others when the world shows you maybe you you your uniqueness. You know, I, that's how I look at it. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, you know, once again, I shared several stories when I realized I was really not realized I was poor when I realized I was. Oh, yeah. When I realized when I remember moments like, boom, like, wait, everybody else. On oh, this? 
Check this out. I realized I was different. Like, I even looked different because my brother Ronald, who was a year younger than me, one day we were playing. So I would see this Ronald every day, playing together, looking at him every day. And I remember, I think I was like, I don't know, three, four. We're playing together. You know, we're just sitting down playing. So I, I was always looking at him. So I thought I looked just like him. Then one day, I looked in the mirror. And I said, who's that? That's not Ronald. Mm. I said, that's me. You know what I said? I said, thank God I don't look like him. (laughs) (laughs) I know. God's like, Daryl, you got to stop. But yeah, that's what I had my first thought, y'all. Uh, I, I, I still had that soreness on my side, so I'm like, <laughs> oh my goodness, oh my goodness, love it, love it, love it. Okay, this question here is, you know, I'm, I'm trying, I'm still figuring out how the best way to ask this question because I'm trying. It's not direct, but it is direct to be exact. But I want to know within your family, how do you and your family celebrate or recognize death? Well, yeah, I think my family's experienced so much, um, so much of that is that now we see it as um, just a way for us to kind of get together and, you know, to celebrate each other and to celebrate the person. So that's, um, is there a lot of wailing and crying? Usually not. I mean, not a lot of there's yeah, there's crying. People are crying. Yeah. But this is a way for everybody to get together and just and kind of take a pause. Right? Um so that's that's how we deal with death. Um like we know it's there. And we try to keep those people when we talk to each other, we try to, we don't try. We just bring those people up. And with the step-by-step, you know, I talk to people from different cultures. So it's, and once again, shout out to my niece, London. You know, she asked about, you know, how other cultures, how they recognize death. So like, I know when someone passes, what are the steps? Like, do y'all like being from Detroit, do you have the same thing? Like from the South, like we have the, um, we have the wake, you know, we have yeah, yeah, people send yeah. food over to the house, neighbors stop by. Um, yes, yes, we have the wake. We have like, like the wake is for everybody, you know, kind of come together, bringing food over. Mm-hmm. People you don't even know who they are. They come up, they say, I just want to stop by and say, give my condolences like that. Mm-hmm. It's like a five minute thing. And that's like, usually at someone's designated house and then there's the wake the wake is like if you want to come you can come for the you know the viewing um and then there's the funeral and the funeral is usually it's always you know family some maybe some other folks kind of come in but that's when people start showing up from like out of town you know yeah Yeah. like my mom's and my my aunt's um 
they're like my aunts, but they're my mom's first cousins, my aunt's first cousins. And they're all the same age. So they come up from Birmingham, Alabama. Okay. And they bring that, you know, they bring that feel to it. Um, that really in, intention. You know what I mean? Oh, I they're not me. all hyper. Uh, yeah, it, they're it, mellow. Yeah, it, 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 but strong. Like, ugh. yeah. Once again, I love it. And when we talk about us, and I'm talking specifically with Black people, you know, American, you know, coming from where we're at from, even from different sides of different parts of the country, we still have that, that intersectionality. We still have our connections with one another. And oh, yeah, yeah. That's why I say when I talk about, you know, my niece, she was like, you know, she don't really know how we celebrate funerals. She mm. compared like, I'm like, what do you mean? Like, we have a process. Like, and, oh, yeah, we have a process. Yeah. yeah. And, then you have the after the funeral, you go to um, the burial site. Then after the burial site, um, come back home or you go to the church. And that's where we're going to have the repast. Yeah. You, like you go that. to someone's house. Like what we, we do, we always would do, always do. We go to someone's house and we have a sit down. And it's usually the house is divided. This That's when the house gets divided. It's like all the cousins are in one area. All the aunts and the moms are in their area, right? Mm -hmm. And we're all, and nobody's, like, you don't see any other cousins with the aunts in that. Boom. All the cousins are together. We are now a unit. We are all sharing stories, you know? And that's when people will identify other people, Mm. like in a good way. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? But you, that's you know. when they will identify and then you know, like the ants will you check in on them and kind of see what's going on you meet family members i remember oh this so-and-so i ain't seen you in years I'm like, oh yeah yeah you gotta act like you know them sometime until you oh sometimes yeah you do i mean and, and my mom you know she'll introduce me to people like that and i'll be like and they'll say oh i met you when you were three and i'd be like oh. i remember yeah. you I have no idea. <laughs> the only person I remember when I was that age, besides my my mom's first cousins down south, we had, I'm going to say his name, we called him Uncle Chicken. Uncle, okay. Shout out to Uncle Chicken. Shout out to Uncle Chicken. And this man, he had a little store. He was blind. Y'all. Mm. He had a store like in some type of camper thing, dirt road. We go up there to get candy. We try to fool him with pennies and stuff. He knew there's not a penny. Mm. He knew. He knew what you were laying on that counter for him. So yeah, Uncle Chicken, he's like the only one. So I don't even know how he looked. I was always looking at him up at the counter, right? But I just remember like him because everybody, like the cousins knew him. But that's how, you know, like going down south was always just like, uh, you literally, I mean, back in the day, the, the adults would be like, go. You just went. You just, you're off in the field somewhere. You're chasing chickens, you know. Oh, trust me, I know that that, that, <laughs> that, that that that's what's again different culture. Yeah, I mean, 
you come in when it's time to eat. It's like there's uh, all day outside. All day. Okay. Follow up with the next question. It's your biopic. Who would you have play you in your biopic? Oh man, I would probably who's a cat that I really enjoy watching. Um this is a tough one. I don't know. I don't know if he could play it. Um but I think about uh Forrest Whitaker a lot. Hmm. Good East Texas. Long view. Okay. Yeah, I think about him. I think he I think he could do it. There there's a new there's a guy I like. He had a movie on Netflix about black cowboys and stuff. Cowboys shoot him up deal. Um, you're um, talking about um he's from uh he was in um Loki. Uh what's his are you, name? Are you talking about Idris Elba? No, no, I'm talking about the guy that played opposite him. He played uh the young the um the protagonist yeah. the, the protagonist yeah. from that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. He's from Texas too. Yeah, um, yeah, he's actually from Texas. Yeah, um, I think Dallas. he could do it. I think he could do like he could do like the the me, like Forrest Whitaker would do me now, and he would do me when I first moved to Seattle. I think he could be that crazy, hyper tension dude, hot or cold. You know, the whole thing waking up. You know, just. But Forrest Whitaker could play me. So what's his name? You got his name? Jonathan Majors. Yes, that's him. Yeah. Oh, my. If you would have said Lovecraft Country. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he he could. I mean. I think his work. I think his work is because I think he could go there. I think he could do like all that stuff. But like I said, Forrest Whitaker could do me now. That would be a real nice transition to see also. Because like I'm telling you that. Yeah, I can see it. Okay, no, that's very good. I like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Okay. If you were wealthy beyond your means, like money was not an issue at all, but yeah. you had to keep one job, you had to do one thing, one career, whatever, whatever you want it to be, what would that be? That one thing would be I would do, um, I would just design and produce coloring books. I love that. That's what I would do. I love that. Wow. Okay. That's what I would do. I would just like, that's all I would do. I'd be like, what are you doing? I'm doing another coloring book. Wow. I'd be like, but well, this coloring book is going to be ginormous. It's going to be my next coloring book. It's just going to get bigger and bigger. I'm going to make it so that everybody can color at the same time. <laughs> I might have some I like that idea for you. We might have to keep that on the low, but hey, you know, I like that. <laughs> so we might, I'm, I'm all for pushing. Okay. Yeah. When was the last time you cried? Oh, I cried. I I cried um, today because I was listening to this podcast and they were talking about um, the Mandalorian and Gargo in their relationship. And I was like, I was tearing up because I thought that's a, 
wonderful father-son relationship. I cry at father-son relationships that are, I consider genuine. So I always cry when I watch Deep Space Nine, Jake and Jake and Captain Cisco together when they're having their moments together. You know, when he hugs his son or he kisses his son on the forehead or on the cheek and I cry at that. So yeah, I cry at that stuff. Um, yeah, so that was the last time I cried. I even cried at that latest Disney movie that came out. I had no idea I was going to be crying at that, but um, I teared up with some of that. I can't um, think of the name of it, but I've been hearing all about it. And yeah, and I was, believe me, I was fighting the power not to watch it. I'm about but to I had it. I had a friend over, and she had her, she brought a little girl over to watch some Disney Plus, and then, you know, you gotta watch this. So I watched it, I'm sitting there watching, I'm being all like, what is this going on? Look at this stuff happening. And all. So I was like, wait a minute, wait, wait, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you better, oh hey, no. Disney hit oh, you with it. That part, right, I was like, that part right there, y'all, that was, oh, man. She's mm-hmm. like, you crying? I'm like, heck yeah. It'd be like that sometime. <laughs> I, I tell you a movie I cried at like a baby. Like a baby. I remember my friend and I, we were crying like babies in the theater, y'all. The Passion of the Christ. Mm. We cried throughout that movie. Wow, wow. I mean, all the time they hit Jesus. We just were wailing to the point we were like, stop it. Stop being on We were like, yeah, to this day, that was a tough watch. When I say, I didn't even think about a movie that I may have thought that question, a movie that you cried to. Um, the, the movie that I never thought I'd cry to, I went to go yeah. see it on a whim because. Oh, yeah. Have you ever watched the movie Cloud Atlas? Heard about it. I didn't know it was like that. I'm gonna have to watch it. Man, I'm I tear up thinking about it now. It's a like <laughs> like seriously, it's like a lot of people it got mixed reviews, but it's a movie about everlasting love. Oh wow. And man, the relationships and when you realize, like, I don't want to spoil it, but when you realize certain points, it's like, oh man. <laughs> like Oh wow, that's that's awesome. I think that's it, great. It I mean, I mean awesome in a good way. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, that's great. I was I was in a theater on the back row. It wasn't a lot of people there. It was like maybe <laughs> ten people in the theater. I was yeah, in the yeah. back there, like uh, both eyes coming down. Yeah, you know, sometimes it sneaks. I mean, sometimes you know, right? Sometimes you know, it's like, oh, did they? It's happening. I'm like, why is this so much? And it's <laughs> yeah, like, and some why stuff, is this? <laughs> like, like, why is this happening now? I'm at, I'm gonna have to watch it soon again. Okay, okay. Next question. We coming close. We got about four, four more, four more. Okay. No, no worries. You are knocking it out. Hey, once again, everyone, this is the makings of DC with everything culture. Thank y'all for tuning in. So yeah, yeah. if you can, look, what would you prefer? If you can go back in time and talk to your younger self or get a visit from the future self to talk to you now. Yeah, it would probably be, I wouldn't want to do future self because I, I I don't know. I just don't know what that's about. And I, and I don't like surprises. Just, it is. 
no, I'd be like, what? Uh uh-uh. So, but I often, so when I, so when I got laid off from that job, 2008, I got into this psychodrama program mm-hmm. and we would often go back and talk to our younger self because when trauma comes up and all this other, you know, negative stuff, it's usually from childhood. So this taught me how to go back and talk. I no longer have to be in that child place. I can go back in time when I did this through psychodrama and I could take little Daryl outside the room and deal with the problem from the past as my adult self. So basically it's like, okay, little Daryl, you're going to go outside the room. You're going to go play with your Hot Wheels. And I'm going to stand here in this psychodrama and deal with you have to deal with because nobody was there to help you deal with this. That's what I do because as a child, you don't want children to have to go through that. So that's what I would do. Right. But I've already done that. I've been doing that type of work. So I often do that a lot when I'm in stressful situations, I go, okay, we're going to leave little Daryl. It's going to be outside the room and the adult Daryl is going to enter the picture. I'm going to, okay, little Daryl, because little girl always wants to play and color and paint and Hot Wheels and da blocks. The adult girl has to take care of stuff, right? So that's what I would say. I would say, okay, go back in time. Hey, you're going to have some stuff go on. I'm just telling you, it's going to be hard. It's going to be good. It's got to hang in there. I know you think it's bad now. But future girl, I don't. I don't even want to have to deal with him because he would just be like too much to take because I'd be like, I got to live up to that, you know, Mm. Uh, gradual steps. And I hope whoever future Daryl is, he can hear me now and be like, just be patient, dog. I'm going to get there where you are. (laughs) Just, just, can you just, you know, but that's how I see it. Hey, uh, you ain't about to make me cry today. I can tell you that right now. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> we ain't doing that. Um, how do you relax? Uh, how do I relax? I, I relax by doing my sketch journal. You know, do a little design in my sketch journal. We just do stuff like this mm. in my sketch journals. I have a bunch of them. That's how I relax. I also relax by building, you know, Legos. You don't know, I'm going to tell you. I like to do Legos. Okay. What I like to do. Legos and guys. I find that walking relaxes me too. (laughs) Walking relaxes me as well. Um, So that's how I I try to relax. And then I try to just have days where it's just like, I am not going to do anything today. Mm. Right? Just be free. Just, yeah, Love it's like, I'm going to be okay sitting here, reading this graphic novel, eating these grapes. This is going to be okay. Right. What did you do today? I did. You may think it's nothing, but I just had a day for me. Right. And not have any guilt because, you know, we run around, we work. We do all this stuff and then sometimes it's like can i sit down and relax can i just am i gonna feel guilty about that i don't is it for me that all that all that shame comes into it right so i try to give myself some grace right 
Always. I don't want to be waking up like, you're a loser. Because I used to wake up like that every day when I was drinking. That would always be my first thought. Look in the mirror, I go, you're a loser. Those days are gone. I don't do that anymore. No. That's just self-hate. Man, hey, I'm telling you, I, I don't know if you... I, I really am enjoying this, man. Once again, I... It, <laughs> It was like one of the things like yesterday, I was like, it just clicked in me. I like, I I'm going if he has the time, he's going to interview Daryl. So thank you, seriously. And it's oh, you're welcome, every, yeah. Every bit of it. Okay, yeah. we back with the makings of Daryl Collins or the makings of DC. So, Daryl, what is a quote that you stand by? The quote I stand by is from Malcolm X, where he says, Always know what time it is. Mm. Mm. like that always know what time it is and if you guys know who Malcolm X is yeah go to him people used to call him Red so yeah Detroit Red as a matter of fact Um, but yeah but his thing was always know what time it is so you can take that how you want I like to come into every room knowing what time it is right so when I enter any place, I'm like, I'm going to know what time it is. A quote that I love by that man yeah. is pro- about progress. Progress. You can't tell me that we've had progress. If you stab me in the back with a nine-inch knife. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I laugh because it's true. Inches. Yeah. That's not progress. That's not, no. Not until no. you pull the knife completely out. Help me, like... Yes. You do the wound. Yes. And then apologize for it. Mm-hmm. That's when we can start. That's progress. That is progress. Right yeah. now, we still because, have a knife in our back. But we still have a knife. I mean, that's the thing. And I think a lot of what I see and what I recognize is that <clears throat> that's part of our trauma. Mm-hmm. It's part of America's trauma that they can't, for some reason, recognize that. There's trauma taking place. And that's until we recognize that trauma. Because people are like, why don't they get it? No, no, it's trauma. We're all dealing with it, right? You can't enslave a race of people and think there's not going to be all this trauma. Not only do we have it, but our white brothers and sisters have. Mm. Mm. That's the thing. We have to recognize it's on both sides. Mm. So we, until we can deal with that trauma, until we can deal with that knife, that's why a lot of, I see it, I read it, people don't want slavery to come up, right? The coach who filed that lawsuit, slave mentality. Some people were like, and I knew it was going to happen. They were like, why did he say slant plantation? The owners are like plantation owners and the players are like slaves. Well, that's a point of view, but that's also trauma. Yeah. Okay. He's talking about, for me, I read it as trauma. Right. So. And let me tell you, that's, this is something we go circle back on in the future with a panel because these are conversations we need to have and everything culture is the place for it. And so next question. Your last meal. What would it be? And who would prepare it for you? 
Well, my last meal would probably be prepared by my grandmother, uh, Medea. And it's going to be, it's going to start with her peach cobbler. All right. All right. It's going to have her, it's going to have my mom's sweet potato pie. All right. Love okay. It. It's like, why is he starting with dessert? Because it's my last meal, y'all. Yeah? And, and, and technically, historically speaking, that's how food was supposed to be eaten <laughs> first. But hey, I know. And and then it's gonna have my aunt Pearlie's ribs, y'all. Her baby back ribs. I mean, aunt Pearlie with her ribs all day. She starts like in the morning, y'all. You go there at night to eat them. The yeah. prep is the next. Prep is the day before, two days before. And you go and eat her ribs, y'all. I mean, and then I'm going to have me some, I'm going to have my mom's greens. They were just like, I mean, ugh. just, it, I'm talking, just, see, the people, you know what I'm saying? People, it's like, ugh. the people <laughs> that may not be able to see us right now, let, let, we, let me try to tell you. They 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 scrumptious. They delicious. They, they they're just dripping with the juice, and then the cornbread. Mm. They're going into the corn. They're mixing into the cornbread. I got and then I got my grandmother's um, black eyed peas. Boom, mixing with the cornbread and the greens. They're coming down because you know they're serving it like, and it's just. Let me tell. And you. I'm just all oh, and then, if if there's time. If there's time, there is this crazy um, gelatin thing that my grandmother used to make. But that's, it looks good, but I'm not really going to eat it. But it looks good on the table. Hey, look at you, man. Okay, man. Look. At, hey, let me tell y'all right now. <laughs> that to be his last meal. He go, he go, he go go in his sleep. Tell you that now. <laughs> He's going to slumber. Okay. I'm going to slumber, y'all. I mean, I'm going to be like, and let me tell you, the music in the background is going to be, it's going to be OJ's. Okay. But this is how it was. My aunts, one of my aunts, Juliet, they loved the OJ's. Every family had their favorite music group. Right before the pandemic, my wife and I were able to see them in concert in Tacoma. Oh, like, wow. That was one thing. I don't like I to envy a lot of things, but I envy that because I started getting to the OJs during the pandemic. I was like, oh, these cats are. Man. No, I mean, I had their music, but I, I went back and I was like, let me learn about them. Talented. And they talked about real stuff. Like, oh, they, they did. They about everything back in the day. Yeah, they and, did. They did. Like, I, every Friday, I used to, like, I'm getting do goosebumps. I don't know, like, I have, I guess in people's you can say I have an old soul, but when I used to drive to work in Houston, I used to, every Friday I used to li- uh, listen to listen, um, Living for the Weekend. Yes, yes. At the rift. Yeah, I man, they just, and they go through the weekend, you're excited, then. I know, they, totally. Go to Monday, then they pick it up on the weekend, <laughs> yes. they slow it down when Monday yeah, they do. again, and it's like, yeah. oh, man. They had that. I mean, they were just so in tune. I don't, they were just so in tune, you know, they just had songs that just spoke to people. And to this day, they speak, it speaks to me. So, yeah. So when I did a deep dive in them, I just, I just made this whole, you know, on my iTunes, Mm -hmm. I just have this whole like 
you know, OJ's like mix going on. And I like to use it when I take the train and when I'm walking, I like to have that music when I'm walking or when I'm taking the light rail. <laughs> Cause I'm like, this is some person. I mean, it's got purpose behind it. Love it, man. So we got two more questions. Once again, thank you, Daryl. Thank you. Thank you, DC. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah. Man. I want to thank all your listeners too for making it happen. Oh man, hey, couldn't do it without them. I man, they know I appreciate them. And it's just this is something that, you know, we we gearing up for season four soon. So this is something soothing for them before we get to these next touchy topics. But <laughs> how would you want people to remember you? Yeah, I think about my legacy often because I don't have any children. All I have is really my art. Um, that I've done things I've you know art I've done creative things I've done for people so I just want them to I just want my legacy to be you know he was he was a straight shooter he was a man of integrity Mm. that's what I want he was a man of integrity and I said that's the best thing to be in my opinion yeah and the last question we have for you for the makers of DC is what changes that you want to see and what changes are you bringing to your culture? Yeah. The changes that I want to see, and I talk, I, I say this sometimes on my LinkedIn, I'll say it won't change for me, but with any good work, it'll change for the next generations. Because I'm tired of being first at stuff. The first black, the first black, the first black. I get tired. I mean, I see it. It's cool. Recognize it. It's a good achievement. But the first black, whatever. Yeah. I want there to be a day where we're we're done saying that. Where it's just common. Okay. That's that's what I want to be. Right. And then what's the second question? What's the second part? Just by follow up is what you wanted to see and how are you bringing it? Oh, so how I try to bring it is I try to be authentic with people. I try to let people know like where I stand, where, who this individual that I'm in contact with, where we stand, where we are. I don't want them coming at me sideways. I don't want to come at them sideways. And if I feel as though there is some sideways movement, that they're not congruent, then I kind of back off. I kind of go, that's not, I can't, I can't deal with that. Right. Because that's when the quote comes to me. It's like, know what time it is. It's time to step away. Mm. Or it's time to engage. Right. So that's how I feel about it. Wow. 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 Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dogs and cats, you know, y'all lizards and goldfish, all that all (laughs) that in between. We just heard a whole lot of good stuff from the man himself, Daryl D.C. Collins. 
Daryl, if you're trying to be, if the people are looking for you and you're trying to be found, where can people find you on social media? Well, you can find me, at, and I'm just going to look at my phone because uh, I got to just give me, bear with me as I get my Insta address up. Um, so bear with me, good people. Let's see. Where is it? I think it's uh, Yes, DC in the house. I think you can find me there. I can never find Instagram when I really need it. It is DC in the house, and that's H A U S. Yes. So house. The reason it's spelled like that because that's um, the, the design influence. Bauhaus design in Germany. People will know that if they know design. So yeah. So you can find me there. Um, and let me give you. You can also find me on. I'm probably on LinkedIn more than anything. I need to get on LinkedIn much more because uh, I just believe in because for me I, I, I just try to keep it I try to keep that's why I want people like that are going to deal with me on a professional level like that's that's where they can find me so you can find me at Daryl Collins at LinkedIn.com so look on there um, I don't do any other um, I don't do Facebook um at all but i do do insta um and i follow several other people as well uh i think i follow you on insta don't i i think i do oh, yeah. yeah i That's follow I our friend christina yeah i follow christina cc on on linkedin if you guys want to check out some good art good design stuff follow her um so yeah so that's that's what you're finding me and i will say this about linkedin i get several advocates who are white that follow me on LinkedIn and like my stuff. Okay. So I know for a fact that there are advocates, white advocates out there who are here to help. Absolutely. Okay. And my thing is I want us to identify who those people are and let them know, like, yeah, we appreciate your love. But I also want us to be advocates for each other. Mm. That's, for me, the most important things. Right? Let's be advocates for each other. Right? Let's, like, hand it off the baton and let's, like, keep it rolling. Oh, we love that here. Especially here yeah. in culture. And yes. y'all know where to find us. You know, we're on... Anywhere you can listen to a podcast from Spotify to Apple, um, Apple Podcasts, Audible, um, YouTube. Uh, we're on all the socials. You can just look up Everything Culture. You can go to our website at www.everythingculture.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on this one, I'm going to end with y'all with our motto. And our motto come, or our mission statement comes in the words of Dr. Martha King Jr., and that is, he believed that men hate each other because they fear each other. They fear each other because they don't know each other. They don't know each other because of segregation. And because of segregation, we have miscommunication. So this podcast and platform has been built on the pillars of respect, communication, and consistency. So we get to know each other. So we can love one another. So see y'all next time on the next episode. Thank you all. And God bless. Peace. God bless. Yeah.
What is happening, good people? It's your host, Drake, the Mr. D713 with Everything Culture. Just letting you know, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Makers of You. We greatly appreciate your support. We look forward to more support in Season 4. Make sure you check out www.everythingculture.com for our new merchandise, as well as check out all of our social media sites from Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and IG. We're all over. We greatly appreciate your support, and we look forward to seeing y'all in the next episode. Peace.